and ladies and gentlemen, I first of all have to apologize for being a few minutes late, but we have a regular minion, a few of the Zikne Rabonim who find it difficult to remain until after the lecture when we'll be dubbing Myers, so a number of people volunteered to help make a minion on their behalf. They also want to hear the lecture. And this is simply an indication of the special caliber of our speaker this evening. That there are many people who were torn between chesed, helping people with a minion, and an eager desire to hear our lecture this evening. We've had many lectures in our series, we had Gabriel Rabbanim, Rav Pam Zichon Levracha, Rav Aaron Salvechik Zichon Levracha. We've had outstanding Israeli political leaders, Rabbanim, people who brought to us the message of Torah and Yiddishkeit. Tonight's speaker is unique. Had this been 40 years ago, we never would have had the privilege of an individual who combines two worlds and combines them so excellently. He is firstly an outstanding, secondly I would say, an outstanding Talmud Chacham, a Ben Torah, a Musmach of the Mir Yeshiva, I was talking this morning with Rabbi Rafer, and he said, he must be from Torvadas, because his father was from Torvadas. His father was one of the pioneer, pioneer mechanchim in America, together, by the way, with Rabbi Rafer, one of those pioneers who established Torah learning, Yeshiva Ketanas, in America. And he... I remember him, although we came from different communities, but I remember asking someone about him a long, long time ago when he was getting married, and he said that he's a genius, a real genius, and that genius has been demonstrated in so many ways. He is, firstly, I mentioned before, Tamar Chacham, a true Tamar Chacham. And it would have been difficult to find a person so steeped in Chachmas Yisrael, in Jewish history, in the entire gamut of Jewish scholarship, and be so outstanding, and yet be a Shomer Torah Mitzvos. He is a professor presently at Brooklyn College, a visiting professor at Yeshiva University. And if I remember correctly, he could have been the dean of the graduate school of Yeshiva University had he so desired. He's been a lecturer, he was a professor in Yale for six years, eight years, an author, an individual of exceptional scholarship, world-renowned, and a very uh, I'd say a more common day, everyday 
level he has conducted tours in Europe a number of our members have been in those tours and the only phrase they have is extremely fascinating and we were so fortunate to have a speaker of his caliber to speak to us and even before he speaks by the way we have a list of topics that he has to speak upon and I'd even like to make the request ahead of time to come back again because every topic is so interesting basic intriguing really but since this is the time of Svira time of in which Mesu Tamir of Yakiva in which Lag Omar is one of the major days in this period we are fortunate to have him speak on the topic of the strange history of Lag Omar its rabbinical, mystical, and historical dimensions. And this is, of course, the Helen Berry Memorial Series, memorializing a woman who gave of herself to the community and who we're privileged to remember every year through these lectures. And this topic is one which is, first of all, so timely and important for us, we are thinking honestly, uh, although, again, we have to give appreciation to David and Michelle Zitzer for organizing our lectures. And I know they tried to have him as a speaker a few years ago. He couldn't make it. But, the uh, again, the caliber, we want to have something which was more a catchy tune, catchy title. And he said, no, he wants a title describing that about which he's going to speak. Because this is a simply an example, perhaps a very innocuous example of the integrity, intellectual integrity, and standards of our guest speaker, a man who is, I don't know how to introduce him, professor, rabbi, first of all, doctor, professor, Chacham, we have the great honor of listening, addressing, having address us. I guess and the the the, the, the uh, flyer says, Professor. We use that term, Professor Schneier Lyman. Rabban Chashuvim, friends. Uh, there's a famous passage in the Gemara which reads, Dibur Chachamim Belashon Guzma. The sages of the Talmud had a propensity for speaking in exaggerated terms. And let me assure you that Rabbi Zuf is a great sage indeed. What actually happened is I submitted a list of, uh, I don't know, about 30 different topics, uh, and uh, David and the rabbi or his committee uh, rejected all those topics and selected one that I know nothing about. 
which is very dangerous. Any topic that I know something about, I speak a finite number of minutes, and I, there's a beginning, a middle, and an end, but uh, when you speak about what you don't know about, it can go on and on. There's such a tendency, but I'll try to be careful. The teacher's task is not simply to convey information. Uh, it's not even to review the Sedra, to teach a, uh, a line of Gemara. Teacher's task is to teach his students how to learn, how to think. The teacher has to challenge his students. The teacher serves as a midwife as he tries to enable his students to become creative. And the trouble with much of Jewish education, and years ago I wrote an article about this, uh, is that we are taught on an elementary level, many of us went to day school, and uh, we never really moved beyond that elementary level. We repeat the same kind of studies year after year, we're not challenged, and we never really deepen our understanding of Torah. Um, this is especially true regarding Shabbos and Yontif. Um, as a simple sample, the Rishonim already state that uh, when we come Shabbos to Davin and we hear the Kriya Satora, we're supposed to be challenged by the Kriya Satora. Uh, we're not supposed to spend our time trying to correct the Balkore necessarily. Uh, we're supposed to be listening and getting a more profound understanding of what it was that we're hearing. And unfortunately, this doesn't happen, as you all know, very much. And with regard to every Shabbos in Yantuf, we just celebrated Pesach. Um, it's not just that we celebrate Pesach and we the kind of various mitzvahs, we eat matzah and so on, but we also should leave Pesach with a more profound understanding of Pesach than whatever it was we understood when we entered that Pesach. So uh, I'm going to try to do that with Lagbarna. I'm coming out to Lagbarna. I tell you immediately I know nothing about the subject. You'll see why. Um, but I hope that you will all leave with uh, perhaps a more profound understanding of, uh, of what's been said at least about Lagbalna. Let's begin with passage one and ask you all to look at the first page. And we'll, we'll read together. The Rakiva taught that if you study Torah when you were young, you should study it again when you're old. If you produce students when you're young, keep teaching and produce students again in your old age. Shemenar, and this is the Pasuk in Koheles, Baboka, Zerah, Ezarecha, and the end of the Pasuk is Velerev, Altanach Yadecha. It's not only in the Boka, not only in the morning are you obligated to plant the seeds, uh, but you also can't sit idly by in the evening, namely in the evening of life as well. It was taught that Rabbi Akiva had 12,000 chavuses of Talmudim, in other words, 24,000 Talmudim. We give out the ad antipras, in Greek it's antipatros, so give out his way up north in Eretz Yisrael, from the northernmost tip of Eretz Yisrael until the center of Eretz Yisrael, which is where antipatros was. In that sector of Eretz Yisrael, the Kiva had 24,000 Talmud. We all died in the same time period because they didn't die on each other properly. 
את עניין. וכן נוהגים מתוך כך שלא ניסו אישו מפסח עד עושו זמן. אין, במינגז עושו דודוויית אבידה, מרי, we don't have weddings between the end of Pesach and to Lag Bomer. From Lag Bomer on, we have weddings. Whether you have a wedding on the evening prior to Lag Bomer, or whether it's Lag Bomer night, this is a famous truth of your Moshe that it's permissible. But that's something you'll ask Rav Ziff to Paskin for you, what you should do if you want to make a wedding on the on Lag Bomer evening. In any event, starting with Lag Bomer, weddings are permitted. That's it, that's our evidence so far from Lag Bomer. So if I would stop here and ask you, why do we celebrate Lag Bomer? So what would you tell me? Why do we celebrate Lag Bomer? Because there was a tragedy in the Rabbi Akiva's Talmudim died in the second century of, of the common era during the Hadrianic persecutions. And they stopped dying on Lag Bomer, or they didn't die on Lag Bomer. So Lag Bomer is a, a semi-yantaf, it's a kind of a holiday. And, uh, all right, that's, that's what we know so far. Now we're going to go to passage three, you know, we move into the world of Kabbalah, the world of Jewish mysticism. And the passage that you have before you comes from a mystical work by one of the great giants of the Kabbalah, Rabbi Chaim Vital. Rabbi Chaim Vital was born in 1542, he died in 1620. He was the disciple of the Ariya Kabbalah, Rabbi Yitzchak, Luria Ashkenazi, and it was Reb Chaim Vital who edited all the writings of the Ari and published them. Reb Chaim Vital in the Priyat Chaim, the Sefer that was first published in the 17th century, writes, and this will read together and translate because it's a very important. He says something very different from anything we heard till now. B'zman azeh, b'inyin ahochim ala kever rashbi, the practice, and you all know that in Eretz Yisrael, and not Ba'omer, Jews go to Meiraim, they go on pilgrimage, and of course they cut the hair of the children who are either three years old by that time, or within half a year of being three years old, or shortly afterwards. Chalaka, it's called. They uh, sing and dance, they learn Torah, they learn Zohar, and so on. So here the Chayim Vital writes, in our day, in our time, this would be the beginning of the 17th century, presumably, all those who go and visit the grave of Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochoi, the great Tano, Rabbi Eliezer Benor, and his son Rabbi Eliezer, Benayron, Balag Bomer. They go, when do they go? They go on Lag Bomer. Say, we have Lag Bomer again. What does this have to do with, what does Lag Bomer have to do with Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochoi? Anir Eishi Lamori, I saw my Rabbi, his Rabbi is the Ari, Rabbi Yitzchak Isaac Lui Ashkenazi. Zal Zeshman, Hashem, eight years ago, Shehalach Yimish Tovim Beso, he went to Meiron together with his wife and children. And he spent three days there. Another A year before I met the Ari Kadosh. That he told me even before I knew the Ari, which would be in the 1570s. Even before then the Ari went and uh, used to go to Meiron. His last name was Baruchim. There was a great Kabbalist, one of the members of the Arunis group, who used to say the Brach of Machim that we say on Tisha B'Av, he used to say it every day in the Davening in Shemun 
in the Bochel and Yerushalayim, Yechol, Rachel, and Soshim, the Sishkan, and the Socha, etc. Kshmasayim is at Fila, and he used to finish, when he finished davening, Omar Mori, the Avini, who was standing next to him, came to him. This was at Miraim, on Magbaume. Bishem Rabshim and Yechol, Yakovashon, at the grave of Rabshim and Yechol, he was buried there. Shomar Mori, Emor Leishazer, Rabshim and Yechol told me, said the Avini, that I should tell you, why is he reciting Machim at my grave on my holiday? Because of that error in judgment, he will never have to be Makabel, Birkas Tanchum, and someone will die in his family. Not a month passed, he lost his son. The Kibel calls Nechamal, and of course he sat Shiva, and people came and they said, the Birkas Nechamal, Nechamal. I'm not going to knock him. Then he calls there, so says the Rebchaim Vital, from all this we see, she is Shodesh Nitziazor, there is a source, a root, for going to visit the grave of the Rashun Bayechoi in the realm on Lagbomer. Ha'tam Shemais Rebshinim Bayechoi beyond Lagbomer. And the reason why is, Lagbomer is the outside, of Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai. So why do you celebrate Lagbomer according to the passage we just read? It has nothing to do with Rabbi Akiva, it has nothing to do with his Talmudim. Lagbomer is not mentioned in Shas. Lagbomer is the Yotzite of Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai, which is a Yantaf. And so we go to Meron and we celebrate at Meron. Ki Talmud Talmudai Rabbi Akiva Hanal. He was one of those Talmudim or Akiva who died on Lagba Omer, but his death is a celebration. Now these are the two solutions. I learned it when I was in day school, in grade school. And if you would have tested me any time for the rest of my life and you test me now, I could give you these two answers. That's why you're getting them. <laughs> these are the two basic answers of why we celebrate Lagba Omer. But I have to tell you that both these solutions are very problematic very problematic. Let me, let me explain why. I begin again by reminding you Lagbomer is not mentioned in Tanakh, of course. It's not mentioned in Shas. It's not mentioned in Midrashic literature and so on. It's not even mentioned in the, in the passage that Rebbe gives as the source for Lagbomer, namely the Yavamu 62b, passage 1 that we looked at. But let's think about the passage for a minute. Rebbe Kiva had 24,000 Talmudim. All of them died. That's what it says. We can look at passage one. All of them died. The Chulam Mesu, the Parakach. And what do the sources tell us? The Miri and the many other sources after the Miri that they ceased dying on Lagbomer. Actually, there's a Nusach in manuscripts of the Shas. It doesn't say Mi Pesach va'adat Saras, but there is a manuscript reading that says Mi Pesach va'ad Prosat Saras which means halfway to Atzeris. It comes out that it's Lagbom or somewhere in between. So actually we have a text, a Talmudic text that reads that. That means they died between Pesach and Lagbom. That's what Miri was telling us, by the way. So we have 24,000 Talmudim, right? And they all died between Pesach and Lagbom. So let us say by, uh, by Chaf Ba'omer, 18,000 had died. You know? By Lamed Ba'omer, 20,000 had died, 24, 20, 23, 2,000. Uh, Lamed Beisbomer, 22,000, 
right? And one minute before Lagba Omer, number 24,000 died, right? I'm going to make a yantuf. You imagine any Jew in the world would declare a yantuf? A yantuf because they stopped dying. Why did they stop dying? There weren't any left. <laughs> make a yantuf. Imagine that. What does this mean? And so I ask you, I don't think I said that. I, I don't make anything up here, if I can help it. Take a look at passage 5, page 2. The famous Shuva of the great Gaon of the 19th century, the Shem Rabari Balchov. This was published in Vilna in 1873. You have it in front of you. We don't say Tachanun, and we, and we celebrate a little bit on, on Simchas Torah. Etc. Who It's amazing. Who cares that they stopped dying in Larbomer? So what's the Yantaf? All 24,000 died. One of the great Gaonim, the Sfaradi of the 17th century, the Chizki of the Silver, the author of the Prichadosh, he said as follows. Sheikhsha came with other shaman, Yeshla Dakta, Ksimcha Zal Lama, what's the Yantaf? Yimishum Shepasku Lama is Mabakach, Halelo Nishayachov Mehem, nobody was left. Mukula Mesu, Mativa Shosimcha Zal, what kind of Yantaf is this? You ever heard of such? We had crusades, we had uh, the Holocaust, and no one ever imagined on the last day after the last person of the six million died, we should make a Yantaf. What's the Yantaf? So we're left with our other answer, right? So we're left now with the answer of uh, number three, passage three, the answer of the uh, of the Chaim Vital, that's the outside of Rabbi Shimba Yechayim, that's a Yantaf. I'm sure here in Shul, I don't know how many Hasidim in Misnagdim you have in Shul, but if you have Hasidim in Shul, Hasidim come on the outside, what happens on the outside, what do you have in Shul? You have a Tikkun. So you bring cake, and schnapps, and everybody drinks a Lechayim, a little Yantaf, right? It should accrue to the benefit of the departed soul. The bracha that everybody makes <laughs> on the uh, on the schnapps and on the, the mizanos, and that the, that the person who brought the schnapps and the mizanos is doing a mitzvah for everybody else. All this accrues to the benefit of the nifter. So we celebrate a yotzei. But if you look in the shulchan aruch, you won't find that. And instead, you'll find in the shulchan aruch or a chayim simin a very famous sif that says that on yotzeis we fast. The minute you saw from Talmudic times on, and there's a very famous Gemara, I'll come to it in a minute, in the Dharam and so on, elsewhere that we fast. On the outside of a father or a mother, a Jew was supposed to fast, not make a yontif. And the same Mishwarah says on the roadsides of the great Lowy Soil, including Zion Ava, which is the outside of Moshe Rabbeinu, we fast, we make a yontif. So to, to put it crassly, the Vasta Yachsin is of Shimba Yachay. If Moshe Rabbeinu, we don't make a yantuf. 
So why should Rabbi Shimon Lechai have a yantif? Ask another question. How do we know that the outside of Rishon Lechayim was in Lagbaoma? It doesn't say it anywhere in Shas. It doesn't say it anywhere in Gavonik literature. It doesn't say it anywhere in the Rishonim. Passage three, written in the 17th century, is the first time in all of Jewish literature that it says that the outside was in Lagbaoma. We have to ask, how is that possible? Not recorded anywhere. So now we look at passage 4 for a minute, the Chassam Seif, you see everything I'm telling you is in the passages. I'm just trying to make it more graphic, but you, you take the evidence home, don't take my word for anything I say. I always tell my students, never believe a word I say, and they've already learned that they shouldn't believe what I say. Read the passages yourself. So look at passage 4, we'll look at it for a minute, this is from the Chassam Seif, who was Shomer Shabbos, in case you don't know, he was a wonderful Jew, right? You can trust what the Chassam Seif said. So the Chassam Seif, who died in 1839, the old Bezdin of Prezburg, today it's called Bratislava, has a wonderful passage. We know the Gamli Zemi Korah, on passage 4 now, page 2, passage 4, it's people who uh, recently are all going to Tzas, they're going to the Kever of Rabshun by I'll just summarize it, if I can find a key word or two I'll and he's wondering why people are going to Tzfas instead of Jerusalem. He said, Jerusalem is the holiest city in Eretz Yisrael. Why should anybody go to Tzfas? And what's this fuss that's going on there on Mount Bomer and so on? I'm going to go now three, four, five, six, seven lines down from the top. I shall cry, Hoyavi v'kurach b'zeh magon v'zamun magoyos. Some sofer said, I argue with the Ephraim v'zamun magoyos. One of the some sofer's rabbis and one of the great gold. Three, four, five, six, seven lines down in the, from the top. I Magolios. Some sofer said, I argue with the Ephraim Zalman Magolios, one of the some sofer's rabbis, and one of the great Gaon of Brod in Brody, one of the great Polskim of the 18th century, late 18th century, early 19th. I argued with Ephraim Zalman Magolios. Heichon Matzin Lassos Yomoy Biomsilot Tzadik. I said to him, what is this business of going to Tzfas and to Meiron and Lag Bomer? Who ever heard of making a yantuf on a, on a, on a, on a, on a yard site? Amu chazal ha-reolai, sholecho bosor, ki yom shem eispol lavos, hemiz gomorim b'sech ha-shavuos. Did somebody make a nether? I'm not going to eat meat like 
on the day that my father died, on the outside of my father. We don't eat on the outside. We fast on the outside. We say in other Mises Moshe Rabbeinu, who young promised, the death of Nodav and Aviyu, the Yudnison is Miriam's yard site. Notice all Jewish men used to fast on a woman's yard site. People forget about this passage. This is Jewish history. <laughs> Miriam's yard site. It was a fast day once upon a time. The Chaf of Nisan, Yom Mises Yeshua ben Nun, and said, My decorate bizarre Hilula, it's in the Zohar that it says that it's, it's a Yontaf Hilula de Rashmila. The Zohar never mentions Lagbomer. Never tells us what day it, but the Zohar talks about the death of Rabshunga Yechoi, and it calls it a marriage. Hilula in the Lushan of the Gemara means the marriage. The marriage of Rabshunga Yechoi. On the day he died, he was married. How was he married? His soul married Kaddish Baruch. His soul was returned on to high. That's called Hilula de Rashbi. We, we would translate it Yartzite of Rabshunga Yechoi. So sure, that's mentioned. There's a yard site, and the Chassam Sofer goes on to explain this, this. This is not talking about a real wedding. This is talking about the neshama of Rabbi Shem going back on high. Now I skipped uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven lines from the bottom, and that's the key line. That's all we have to look at. Val kol panim. The line begins with the word v'lakach. Val kol panim loyadati mamokom lehilula. I have no idea. It says the Chassam Sofer why we celebrate on Lag Bomer. Doesn't know why. No, if some software didn't know why, so who am I to stand here to tell you that I know why? That's why I said I don't know what I'm talking about. Some software tells you he didn't know why we celebrate Vlogbomer. The Chidor, Rebchaim Yosef Dobra Zulai, one of the great Ka'onim, he died in 1806. He was from Yerushalayim, he lived in Hebron, moved to Italy, and he died in Livorno, Italy. Now his body was taken back to Eretz Yisrael. He's buried on Haram Luchot. The great Chidor at Chaim Yosef David Azulai suggests yet a third reason for celebrating Magbomer. He's very unhappy with these two reasons, and he says something that's really alluded to in, uh, in the, the passage that cites... Um, the pre-Chadash that was passage 5 he basically spells out a little more what, what the pre-Chadash said and I'm holding the Chidor this is Sefer Tuvayin you don't have it on the pages in front of you the reason we make a Yom Tov he said it's because all of Rabbi Akiva's Tamidim died and the Yom Lag Ba'omer Hischia Lishnos L'Rabshim Ba'yachoi Rabbi Meir, Rabbi Yossi, and so on. Go look at passage, the first passage, passage one again. It says, after all the Talmudim died, he began teaching Torah again. Rabbi Akiva didn't despair. A Jew never despairs. There's no Yosh. He lost 24,000 Talmudim. His life's work, you start over again. He teaches Torah again. And he started teaching Torah again, suggests the Chidah on Lagbomer. They stopped dying on Lagbomer. He didn't waste a minute. He started with the next group of Talmudim. And one of those Talmudim in that group was Rav Shun Bar Yechai. It has nothing to do with the yard side. It has nothing to do with what we said before. It's that he started to teach again on Lag Baomer. So the Chidah, it's a very interesting suggestion. But of course, as I say, we have no evidence for this anywhere in early Jewish literature. Still others have suggested that the real reason we mourn in this period has to do with the Crusades 
In fact, we know uh, uh, that the Jews were many times persecuted in this season between Pesach and Shavuos during the 11th century, the 12th century, and the 13th century. Um, and probably that surely has a lot to do with our practice of mourning in this period, not listening to music, not shaving, and so on. Um, and it may well be true, um, but it's not a word about Lagbomer in any of the sources. Nowhere does it say that the Crusades ended on Lagbomer. Um, others have suggested it must be referred to the Hadrianic persecutions in the time of Rabbi Akiva, those 24,000 Tamil who died. In fact, some Akronim suggest that 24,000 Talmidim, Rabbi Akiva had 24,000 Talmidim, nobody we know had 24,000 Talmidim. But Rabbi Akiva was, we know, say, Kalev, Rabbi Akiva was the arms bearer of Bar Kokhva. Bar Kokhva led the revolution, the revolt against the Hadrianic persecutions. That battle took place between the years 132 and 135 of the common era. So uh, it's been suggested by some that the 24,000 Talmidim of Rabbi Akiva of the 24,000 troops of Bar Kokhva that died during the Hadrianic persecutions. Maybe. And that's why we mourn during this period. But, again, nowhere in Roman records, nowhere in Jewish records is there a word about Lagbana. None of this accounts for Yom Simcha on, on Lagbomer. More importantly, and this is the last passage that I'll trouble you with, so now turn to, to page 2, passage 6, last passage. A discovery was made a few years ago in the 20th century in what's known as the Cairo Geniza, the attic of a shul where they found many ancient documents, documents from the 7th, 8th, and 9th centuries in Eretz Yisrael a period that we almost know nothing about, incredible documents, which give us our first fragments of Shas, our first fragments of Midrashian manuscripts, what they actually look like. And this all came from what's known as the Cairo Geniza. And one of the passages, now you're looking at it, I put it here for you to see, an amazing passage. It's the passage that's the source for a Simon in the Shulchan Aruch. Again, Aruch Hayyim, Simon Tav Kuftei. That's the Simon in the Shulchan Aruch that lists all the fast days we spoke about Moshe Rabbeinu, Nadav and Aviyah, Miriam, that's where it says that Miriam's yard site is a fast day, and so on. And that's where Zayinado is listed as an official fast day for all Jews, and so on. The source for that is this. Here we have the oldest copy of that passage. This is from the 7th century. And look what it says. And it's from Eretz Yisrael. So this was the minig in Eretz Yisrael in the 7th century. It's a list of fast days, and it goes month by month. Okay, and so on. And then what does it say? Look at the passage in front of you. What was the Minigan Eretz Yisrael in the, uh, in the 7th century, 8th century? On the 18th day of Iyar, Mace, Yoshua bin Nun. Alright? So they fasted. It was a fast day. What's, what's the 18th day of Iyar? Always. What's the 18th day of Iyar? Lag Bomer. Lag Bomer was a fast day in Eretz Israel in the 8th century. Here's the evidence. A fast day, not a yontav.
And so I close with the wisest formulation of all. It's the formulation of the Sansofer. It's not on the passages that you have in front of you. It's in the So the Chuvas of the Sansofer, Yoradea, Simon Reish, Lamed Gimel. The Sansofer writes as follows. I'm just giving you the key line. You should read the whole Chuvas. To celebrate like Baomer as a, as a holiday. Sorry, for Jews to make a holiday out of a day. We know no miracle occurred on that day. And the holiday is never mentioned in Shas. If you look in the sources, what it says about Lad Baomer is we don't say, we don't fast. Some places say we don't say Tachnum. We don't say Hespedim. But it doesn't say that it's a Yontav. That's what it says. So it's very Medaic. You don't turn Lad Baomer into Yontav. It's not a Yontav. It's a day that we don't fast. And we don't eulogize. The Tamagufa And I don't even know why it's a day that we don't say eulogies and it's a day that we don't fast. Even that we don't know. Chasam Sofer. The Tamagufa That's it. I don't know why. And Chasam Sofer is absolutely right. In the light of everything we've said, uh, it's all very interesting. These are real theories to explain my Bomer. But the emphasis Tamagufa Loyadana. We don't really know. We just don't have the evidence anymore. I'd like to close with one of my favorite passages, passages from the Sifra Musa. This is from Rabbeinu Bachia Ibn Takuda, that great 11th century author of the Chobos Halavavos. And there's a passage there which sums up what I was trying to say at the beginning about what Jewish education is all about. A person must make a reckoning with his soul with regard to every matter that pertains to knowledge of God and of God's Torah and of the histories and traditions of the Jewish people and of the meanings of the tfilos, the prayers and the hymns that Jews recite. These are all things you learn in your youth when your mind first begins to grow when you're first initiated into your studies. For the form of subtle ideas in the eyes of someone of weak understanding is very different than their form in the eyes of an intelligent person. The stronger your understanding, the stronger becomes your certainty of things. Therefore, you may not be content with what you learned as a youth at the beginning of your studies, but reconsider what you were taught with regard to the Torah, with regard to the Nevi'im, now that your mind is stronger, now that your understanding is sharper, as if you had never read a letter of them. Dealing the same way with the Tfilos. We were all taught how to daven in second and third grade and so on. Try to understand their language and their purpose so that when you approach the Lord with those words, you will understand the words your tongue is uttering and the meaning that your heart wishes to convey. You must not allow the habit of your youth when you pronounce with your tongue whatever you could 
You must not, not allow that to continue. You have to deal in the same way with the study of Jewish history and with the history of all Jewish traditions. You may not be satisfied with what you achieved when you began your studies. Rather, demand of yourself that you reconsider, relearn, as if you are a novice. Reconsider everything you are taught until you discover new meanings in the Torah, new meanings in the books of the prophets and the sages, such things that you could never have understood from the teachers who taught you when you first began your studies. Thank you very much. Special thanks to Professor Lyman once again. We'll be diving Meyerov in one minute. Uh, tapes will be ab will be available after Meyerov up here in the front from Mr. Olmos. Thank you.